The presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak is Down in Front Productions. DIFP is a video production company located in Birmingham, Alabama that strives to provide high-quality video services for your business or event at very competitive prices with a personal approach. They specialize in sporting events, weddings, and business videography, but also provide recording and video editing work for other events such as seminars, commercials, and concerts. Give Dustin and the crew a call at 205-588-0868 or visit them at difpbham.com. That's D-I-F-P-B-H-A-M.com to see how they can help you. Down in Front Productions, the presenting sponsor of Behind the Beat. Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. I'm Tyler Brown, alongside my co-host, Avery Davis, who's coming off one full week of classes now. And Avery, before we got started, we were talking about, I should have asked you that question this week rather than last week. What's it been like the first week back on campus? Yeah, we talked about uh, last week was the day before that we had went back to class, and uh, it's been really strange to be on campus kind of like summer classes almost. Mm -hmm. You see people, but not a lot of people out like normal. I know uh, i got some friends that that haven't even came back because all their stuff is online, Mm -hmm. so it's been a little bit different, but uh, just happy to get back in classes and see people. Well, it's even even just uh, being so close to the rec center, the new student rec center, last year during – the fall and the spring you know that parking lot was overcrowded and if you wanted to go to it you'd have to walk to it but now you know there's plenty of parking spaces over there and obviously there's a lot of social distancing and rules like that that you're having to follow while you're working out but still it's it's weird to see school in full swing and not that many cars on campus right yeah at any time there's parking seems like any building you want to go to and and in a normal school school year that's it's hard to find parking two o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday. Well, lucky for athletics fans, we've got some good news to give you, and we'll get to that a little later on in the podcast. This is episode number 35 of the series. Later, I'm going to sit down with JSU Hall of Famer and former basketball student athlete Earl Warren. He's a member of the 1985 men's basketball team. We discuss the Division II National Championship season, some of his favorite basketball moments, and his current position as Director of Development at Jacksonville State. His interview in just a few moments, but first, a few housekeeping notes and some news. If you missed last week's episode, our guest was former softball student athlete Taylor West, a nursing major while at Jacksonville State. She spent the majority of 2020 in New York caring for COVID-19 patients and even contracted the virus herself while she was in the Big Apple. If you want to go give it a listen, all previous episodes of the podcast can be streamed at jsugamecocksports.com slash podcast on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. That good news that we were talking about is between last week and then today, which is Monday, we're recording this podcast, Jacksonville State Football has released three upcoming games of their four-game schedule this fall. Jacksonville State will play at Florida State on October 3rd, host Mercer on October 10th, and then go to North Alabama on October 17th. Game four of that four-game fall schedule 
to be announced later. And Avery, one of the big things about this schedule that Coach Cross talked about after practice on Saturday, he's happy to see that we've got two games at least that our fans are in driving distance of, that we've got one home game and another that's just a few hours up the road. Yeah, uh, excited about the Mercer game. Uh, and then the North Alabama game, a rival from the old Gulf South Conference. We got to have UNA come here last year. We're going to Florence this year, and, and that's a game close to home for me as well, uh, about an hour drive from home. So uh, those two are, are big games, uh, very winnable games for us. The last time the Gamecocks were in Florence at Brawley Stadium was 1992 when they won the Division II National Championship, so it'll be nice to get back to Florence. Which is seven years before I was born. <laughs> <laughs> a, little, a little history there, you know. It'll be nice to go back and revisit. So that, that'll be cool. The Gamecocks are going to get to go to Florence, and like we said, Game 4 to be announced later. And then also in football news, quarterback Zarek Cooper and tight end Trey Berry have been named to the Reese's Senior Bowl Top 25 watch list. That's a big honor for both of those guys. The Senior Bowl, of course, played down in Mobile. And so good luck to those two guys. Hope they have a great season that they can land on a roster. And then just to continue with football, the Gamecocks will be practicing all this week. They'll eventually get into full pads for the first time this fall coming up this week and you can check out jsugamecocksports.com after practice each day the wrap-up video and the recap from head coach john gross in basketball news the gotham classic announced their schedule for this upcoming year the gamecocks get four games out of that the first being at syracuse on december 10th and then green bay will come to pete matthews coliseum on december 13th the gamecocks will then go to lsu on december 16th and then at mercer on december 19th so, JSU, this season so far, you've got three big games announced that the Gamecocks will go take on the Orange December 10th at the Carrier Dome. They'll go to LSU on December 16th. And then, of course, previously announced is the season opener November 10th at Alabama. The Gamecocks taking a trip to Tuscaloosa. And then just to wrap up our news, we recently put out a video tour of the brand-new JSU Athletic Sports Performance Center. You can go to YouTube and watch that. Just go up to the search bar of YouTube and search JSU Athletic Sports Performance Center Tour, or you can go over to jsugamecocksports.com facilities and scroll down to the Sports Performance Center. Click on that page, and the video is embedded at the bottom of the page. That's everything new happening around athletics, and now it's time for today's featured guest. Earl Warren currently serves as Jacksonville State's Director of Development, but he made his name as a student athlete on the men's basketball team in the mid-80s. The Aniana, Alabama native played four seasons, tallying 1,156 points, 461 assists, and 226 steals. His career was highlighted by the 1985 NCAA Division II National Championship, in which a pair of free throws from the senior secured the title. He was inducted into the JSU Athletics Hall of Fame in 2015. Here is today's guest, Earl Warren. Joining me on the podcast today is Earl Warren. Earl, thanks so much for coming in and spending some time with me. Ah, Tyler, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. I know you're busy, especially today. Uh, tell me about what you're doing now. I know a lot of people remember you as the Basketball player from the 85 <laughs> team. What's your position at Jacksonville State now? Uh, I am the um, university development director. Uh, the, the job title changed a little bit from institutional development director. Uh, we've kind of changed uh, a little bit uh, in the advancement office now, but basically my job title is university development director, which is basically overseeing the annual fund and plan giving. 
Now, you took that job in 2006, I believe it was. Yeah. But yeah. before that, you had been very involved in the Boys and Girls Clubs of East yeah. Central Alabama, and you'd even been in Huntsville for a while. Yeah. Tell me about yeah. that project, because that was something that I think you jumped into yeah. basically right after your pro basketball career. Yeah. yeah, actually, I did 15 years with Boys and Girls Clubs, uh, spent some time in Atlanta as a regional service director where I, uh, you know, provided services to somewhere about maybe probably 30 organizations in Tennessee and in Alabama, all of the organizations in Alabama and, you know, half of them in Tennessee. I went up to Johnson City, Tennessee, uh, Murfreesboro, uh, you know, uh, so the Tri-Cities, Kingsport, you know, uh, Bristol. So I did that for about 15 years and just basically working with uh, board board members of those organizations, seeing how sustainable their funding was, uh, looking at their endowments, uh, working with staff development. Uh, I was working out of Atlanta, uh, which was the national headquarters, which is Boys and Girls Clubs of America. And uh, did that, man, that was a that was a duffel bag drag. I mean, you know, you were, you know, you're working uh, Monday through Thursday, you're on the road, and then, you know, Friday you would be able to come back home. So it was, uh, I did that for about three years. But, but prior to that, I was working for the Boys and Girls Clubs. I was the CEO of Boys and Girls Clubs of Tupelo, and we expanded that organization over there to become uh, Boys and Girls Clubs of North uh, Northeast Mississippi. So we were able to go into New Albany. We were able to go into Shannon. We were able to go into Ripley. Uh, and uh, has had a great experience. You know, I grew up uh, uh, actually hit a game winner when I was coming up as a kid in uh, the Gilchrist Boys and Girls Club over in Gaston. So, uh, so Boys and Girls, it's something that I believed in. It's something that I do believe in. Uh, working with a lot of at-risk kids, and you know, so it was uh, it was something that I, I felt like actually groomed me uh, in the non-profit sector for higher educational fundraising. So. Uh, did 15 years there and actually have been working here at Jacksonville State now 15 years. So you got your basketball start at the Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. Um, and then obviously a fantastic basketball player at Aniana High School. But you're also a great football player. And I think Bill Jones was kind of surprised when he got you as a basketball <laughs> player because I'm sure you had some chances yeah. to go yeah. somewhere in football. Yeah, uh, well, I had a few offers. Uh, I was actually, believe it or not, a 175-pound linebacker, all-state linebacker at Uniana. And, uh, you know, but but basketball was my love. I had, you know, I went down and visited Auburn, uh, had a chance to come up here with uh, – with with coach uh fuller he 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 wanted me to come and play football here and had some football offers but uh you know basketball was just something that was in my blood and uh you know i just felt like you know that's where god was leading me so you get here in 1981 and you play four seasons you're just the 12th player in jsu history to score a thousand points at that time and in 1985 you guys win the big one and leading up to 1985, that was your senior year. Was it just a matter of time? Did you know that a national championship was in grasp? Well, you know, my freshman year, believe it or not, we were 15 and 10. And, uh, you know, you come in from high school, you you know, uh, I had a cocky arrogance about myself coming out of high school because I felt like I could, you know, I could play with anybody. <laughs> but, you know, when you get to college, you, you start to – meet people who felt the same way at their high schools, right? So, 
uh, it was a transition my freshman year. I was coming in actually with my uncle who had played for uh, played for a nat- junior college national championship for Nolan Richardson out at uh, Texas Western. His name was Donald Warren. And so Donald and I came in as a package deal. I was coming in from, from uh, out of high school. He was coming in uh, from a junior college. Uh, and so when I came in in 81, uh, like I said, we had a 15 and 10 record. But as we got into that sophomore season, I, I didn't play a whole lot. Uh, but I, I can recall hitting a game winner down in Mississippi College <laughs> coming off the bench when Coach Jones was telling me, hey, look, pay attention in the locker room at halftime when I hadn't had any playing time. And I was just, you know, overeating oranges and just, <laughs> just twirling my, my thumb, so to speak. But uh, came in and hit a game winner uh, at Mississippi College my freshman year. But that's probably about the about the most excitement I had my freshman year. But my sophomore year, I began to play a lot more, you know, uh, you know, and I, that's why I tell, you know, to kids today, you know, they want it and they want it now. They're not willing to go through the, the, the development. And uh, as I started to develop in my sophomore year, I think we, we won 24 games and 24. I'm not sure how many losses, but but, you know, we we made it to the uh, to the I want to say the the regional finals and we lost and then. Coming in my junior year, we we start to kind of feel ourselves a little bit, and uh, well, made it up and and lost up to a team uh, out of Morningside, Iowa. Uh, they beat us by one up there, and then coming into my senior year, you know, we we lose our first ball game, and then we roll off thirty-one straight for the national championship. I, I you know, we we won a big game up at Semo against Ron Shoemate and some guys, a guy up there by the name of uh, Ronnie Rankins, who had, he had probably a, about 50 points that night. But we somehow uh, were destined. I felt after that win, we were destined to win a championship. And then we went on into the Final Four, and, and we beat uh, we beat Kentucky Wesleyan with, with Coach Harper. <laughs> and, uh, and then we won uh, against uh, South Dakota State in the championship game. I hit a couple of free throws in that game as well that uh, – was was pretty big, uh, which kind of helped to seal the deal. You talk about the player from SEMO that had 50 points, but Jacksonville State was a very well-rounded team. Talk about those guys that were on that team. You look at guys like Robert Spurgeon, Melvin Allen, Keith McKellar, the big names like that that rank up there with yours. You know, Talk about that team and the, the guys that contributed to that 85 championship well i i think i was probably the smallest <laughs> name on that totem pole because all of those guys had star power i tell you um but what was so unique about that team tyler was uh every one of them you know every one of those guys on any given night could 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 light it up and uh when you look at the the stat sheet for the averages for the year every one of us averaged double figures so, you know, you've got Melvin averaging 18 a game. You've got me averaging, you know, 15. You've got Robert Guyton averaging 15. You've got McKellar averaging, you know, 10 and 10 boards a game. And then you've got Spurgeon averaging 12. So any given night, that's what was so unique about and made that team so special, I think, uh, is, you know, every one of them could uh, could light it up. And, and we pretty much rode the back of whoever was, was really feeling it that night. And uh, – but uh, but every one of those guys would would give up whatever we had to give up for the sake of the team because it was no uh, it was no I in that team it was all about 
us as a cohesive group. Even the bench, I think, you know, we were all, you know, the two guys that came off the bench uh, on a regular basis was, was a guy by the name of Pat Williams who played with Buck Johnson, won two state championships for Hayes High School. And, uh, and then he comes in and he's our backup guard, which, you know, we all kind of, Melvin and myself was the one and the two, but Pat Williams and I could play the three. Uh, and Spurgeon, who was the three, the small four, he could play the four and five. So we had a lot of interchangeable parts, and uh, it was just exciting time. And I tell you, the Pete has never seen crowds like that. You mentioned the first game of the 1984-85 season. You guys go 31-1 and that year, but game one is a loss to Belmont Abbey, 61-60. to What did you guys realize after game one? No, I'll tell you, Coach Jones recognized that. I think, you know, we stayed up a little late uh, that night. And uh, it's so ironic that, you know, when you mention that game, uh, Coach Hobbs, who is our golf coach now, Mm -hmm. Coach Jones, uh, they were our coaches. And, you know, I was kind of the defensive stopper for that team, more so than an offensive threat. And uh, they had a guy that was could fill it up. And, you know, we were up one. And uh, I remember this, and everybody on the team remembers this. Coach Hobbs still rags me about it to this day. They call a timeout. Coach Hobbs is telling me, Earl, stay on your feet. Do not jump. He's going to pump fake you. Well, he pump fakes me, and I leave my feet, and he gets into me. He's a great offensive player. They call a foul. He hits two free throws, and they beat us by one. But, you know, the valuable lesson in that for us was, is, you know, no one can beat us if we play 40 minutes and don't really focus on the score. Just play our, play our brand of basketball and play as hard as we can for the 40 minutes and we'll be, you know, successful. And I tell you, you know, after we lost, I think that loss really helped us to, to win the championship and to be focused throughout the rest of the season and, and go through the whole conference with, you know, no losses, you know, which it, I don't think at that time had, had been done before. You rattle off 31 straight wins to win the championship, but right before you make it to the championship game, you've got Kentucky Westland in the semifinals. You guys win that one 72-61 over Kentucky Westland. Like you mentioned, one of the guys on that team was Ray Harper, who's now the head coach of the Gamecocks. What can you remember about the scouting report on him and what kind of guy was he like to play? Well, he was a he was a scorer. He was the leader for their team at that time. You know, he had uh, he, he you know coach had come from uh, a major Division One program and then transferred into Kentucky Wesleyan. So he was he was the big guy that we needed to stop. And I I tell him and I, I tease him a little bit about that today that I had to bring the glove out on it. <laughs> but uh, but no, I I think you know as I said, I felt like we were a team of destiny once we had gotten by. The SEMO game, which Melvin hit a, uh, you know, an incredible shot about, you know, at the timeline almost to to win that game when we had probably about probably 300 fans in the entire arena. And it was probably 100 and 110 degrees on the court. And I mean, we we were we, we never led in that game until he hits that shot and we we win it right there at the buzzer. So uh, it was just, you know, when you win a game like that and, you know, we. Um, everybody, every I had fouled out, and a lot of the the starters had fouled out that game. Brett Jones gets the ball and throws it to Melvin on a rebound, and he hits the shot. Guy takes him out. The, you know he never sees it go in, and uh, I just felt like you know that 
we were destined for something after that ball game. You guys get South Dakota State in the national championship. What are the thoughts going into that one? Because I I don't know at the time the name recognition, but Dick Vitale is on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, tell me about just the the nerves going into that game. Were there any? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think you know you know everything had kind of you know when you think about it, you're saying, man, it's just two of us left now in the Division Two national championship game. You're here. Um, I don't know. It was just something. I think, you know, our starters, you know, because of the experiences of the past, I think we were more prepared, uh, you know, for a game like that as opposed to South Dakota State. Now, they had a, a guy by the name of uh, Mark Tetzloff or something of that nature. He was a 6'8 guy. And Coach Jones had a, a defense that uh, was called a, like a triangle and two. And uh, I was fronting this this guy the whole night. And we had McKellar behind me for any lobs over the top. And uh, it was a great defense that worked, it worked, it worked wonders. But down the stretch, I think our execution, you know, I think we were more patient. You know, there was no shot clock. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I can recall when we were needing a basket down the stretch in that ball game where we turned that ball over probably 10, 11 passes before we get a layup up under the basket by Melvin. And uh, it, it just showed, spoke to our, our character. Coach Hobbs and Coach Jones, I remember even to this day talking to them, and they said, you know, when, when that timeout came, we didn't say a word. You guys were the only ones talking in the huddle as to how it was going to go down. And so it was just that type of uh, commitment from our team and just just the patience and the maturity. maturity. I mean, after that ball game, Tyler, I can tell you, man, we were eating a big steak <laughs> and it just surfaced. It just it, I just started to cry because it, it it was you realize that it's over. Number one, your height, your college career, that it's all over now. And you've made it to, you know, the pinnacle of, of, of your college, you know, uh, you know, winning a championship before you in your senior year. I mean, it doesn't get no better than that, man. It really doesn't. Take me through the steal and the two free throws at the end of the game. Well, uh, the steal, Pat Williams and, and I and Melvin, we were, you know, putting light pressure, which is what Coach had, had asked us to do as they were coming up the floor. Well, Pat Williams happens to tap the basketball from the back. I come up with the basketball uh, on the steal. He taps it. I get it. And once I get it, uh, I'm trying to make a pass because he is he's starting to, to run down for a wide-open layup, which would really have sealed the game anyway. Well, once I get it, they foul me, and so – at that time, you know, I just go to the line and calmly make the two free throws, and, and that puts us up three, and then they come back down and dunk, and we win by, by one. So it was, you know, like I said, it was a team effort. It was not something that, you know, even though I was the a, a defensive guy for the team, uh, just so happened that Pat taps the ball away. Uh, a lot of people give me credit for the steal, but as, it was actually Pat Williams that tapped the ball away that, you know, and I'm right there while we're trapping, and and I recover it and try to make the pass, and they foul me, and I go down and make the two free throws. Coach Johnson, I know, I knew all along Earl you was going to make those. <laughs> <laughs> and what's funny about it is, like you mentioned, they get the dunk at the end of the game, which makes it 74-73. And right. so, I guess when you look at it on paper, you think, man, that was a close game. But you know, yeah. there's there's two points there that 
really you guys kind of gave them because I, even though I know the final score, you yeah. know what's going to happen. The first time I ever watched that game all the way through, okay, I see this guy break away for the dunk. Right. And in my mind, I'm thinking, what are they doing? But there's no three-point <laughs> there's line. No three-point line. <laughs> I think they implemented the three-point line the year after, you know, or something to that effect. But, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was just special, you know, having guys that could step up and, uh, and, and you know, it was, it was uh, kind of a us against the world concept, you know, uh, and, you know, guys that I can remember Robert Spurgeon and guys like that, that were, cramping up and just you know just you know just when we get back to town it was just so incredible the love that was I mean we were staying in Saul's Hall at the time which is now the uh, police uh, station mm-hmm. for Jacksonville State and I'm telling you you could not see any it, it was so crowded uh, from the field house all the way to Saul's Hall and people were making speeches and everything it was just uh, it was a lot going on that that day and I you know, I just just very fond memories that I would never forget. I asked Mike Paris before we got started. I said, "What kind of stories do you have on Earl Warren?" Uh-oh. And he said, "Ask him about Bay Manette." <laughs> well, Bay Manette, uh, you know, one of the things that I remember, I you know, in that tournament, I won the MVP, um, but I can remember a fight broke out, and uh, it, it it escalated even out into the concession stand and you know we had some of the most rugged guys that you you didn't want to fight Keith McKellar you didn't want to fight Robert Spurgeon I'm here to tell you those guys would hurt you and uh, I just remember you know for some odd reason that the officials were trying to get control of it and uh, McKellar had a guy out in the in the concession stand and I was out there tr- <laughs> And I was trying to, you know, kind of, you know, I'm fighting for my teammates, right? So <laughs> the official came out and said, you're out of here. I don't know if he – but as soon as he said that, I tried to sneak back in <laughs> and get on the bench, and he never remembered who he had told – that he told me that I was no longer eligible to play in that game, and I got right back in and continued to play. <laughs> but uh, those were some good days, man. I tell you, that Bay Manette tournament, it was a tough one, but we were able to win – the championship and and I was playing very well during that time frame. It was a it was a special time. The D two days compared to the D one days, you know, they're like you were talking about it. It was a little grittier back then. It was some hard ball. And when I talked to Todd Jones from the baseball team, he was talking about those D two national champions that Rudy Abbott had and how they oh, could yeah. compare to today's D one guys. That D two team that won the national championship, how would they stack up against the D one team nowadays? I think very well. I mean, we shot a lot of threes, which were twos. Uh, that's the thing. We were uh, a lot more aggressive. Uh, we shot it from deep, but, uh, you know, we used to run a little motion flex, which was a UCLA offense, a flex offense that John Wooden used to run. And uh, I just thought Coach Jones, uh, with the talent that we had, he he got the most out of us. We pressed a whole, whole game. It was We would just put the pressure on you and try to turn you up and we would get a lot of steals a lot of easy layups but when we would get into our half court sets i just thought that we were very patient uh if we were hitting the the the, the jump shots uh melvin was a, a heck of a you know shooter uh melvin allen and i can remember we had um played a team called west georgia who was 
ranked in the top five when we were ranked number two in that that particular my senior season. And it, Melvin had 42 points on him, and I, I don't think he shot a layup. <laughs> <laughs> but he was just feeling it from everywhere. I mean, was, that was this kind of, you know, like I said, it was that type of team that we had where, you know, Robert Guyton, who was, you know, the, you know, freshman of the year coming in, and he was he was leading the nation in field goal percentage. I mean, so you you, you think about he, he just had a very smooth turnaround jump shot that I mean he just never never seemed to miss, you know. And uh, we had some tough games where uh, I think our last game, Tyler, in the conference when uh, when Coach Murphy brought a team, Delta State team in here, Gerald Glass, who who followed him on to to Ole Miss. They had a guy by the name of Carl Brown, and uh, they came in here on a mission, and we were 15-0, and 0, and this would have made our 16th win in the conference undefeated. Well, they had us by 20 at halftime, and, you know, we just somehow seemed to – our will, you know, it's just something about this team. Our will, we will back to take that game into overtime and, and win it uh, in overtime and uh, and finish the, the conference with a 16-0 and 0 record I just you know just you know rising to the occasion when we had to I just felt like this team was just it was just something special about us and, and able to do that so to answer your question as it relates to uh to to, to the division one level uh it's a lot of division one teams that wouldn't play us back then <laughs> <laughs> you guys last year had a reunion of the 85 team at a home basketball game what was it like to see a bunch of those guys for the first time in a while I tell you, it was special. Uh, you know, we were that, that at that point in time. You know, Coach Jones. Uh, you know, we were naming the the, the Bill Jones Court. You mm-hmm. know, and we were able to come back. So that was special. And and then being able to to see McKellar and Brett Jones and guys that had you know that you know was so much a part of my life. You know, just like my brothers today. I mean, it was it was just uh, it was emotional to see a lot of those guys and see them doing well. You know, all of them, the Larry Browns, uh, you know, up in Tennessee working for the Boy Scouts as the scout exec, doing very well there. Brett Jones owns his own company. You know, seeing Melvin, who uh, you know who who's owned his own company and doing great things, McKellar and Guyton. It was just special. I just we just need to do more of that. <laughs> After graduation, you played a season of pro ball, the Birmingham Bandits, and the CBA, which is a development league for the NBA at the time. Tell me about that season with the Bandits and what that was like. Uh, it was, uh, it was, you know, for me, it was uh, achieving a something that I've always desired to do in my life. Uh, I was playing with guys like Michael Ainsley, who played at Alabama. I was playing with. Uh, uh, a uh, guy by the name of Skeeter, uh, Skeeter Henry, who played for Oklahoma. Um, I was working out, uh, you know, all the time. And, and and they were affiliate of the the Minnesota Timberwolves, you know. And so um, we were playing guys on the road like D- David Rivers that played at Notre Dame. And he was playing for the Catbirds. And, you know, back in the days of, of Illinois when they had Kenny Battle and some of those, those guys uh, – uh, so it was uh, it was a, an experience, um, you know. I had kind of fallen off from uh, trying to make the Phoenix Suns team, and so I was uh, had been invited to the rookie camp and got a, got a chance to play against Kevin Johnson and a guy by the name of Cedric uh, Cedric 
Tony and some of those guys. He played for with Roosevelt Chapman up at Date, Dayton, Ohio, when Dayton had, you know, solid teams back in that time frame. So, you know, just to travel and be able to do something that you love, man, it is um, – it's, it's 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 not work. It's it's definitely uh, just a, a lot of, of fun and 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 just you know real, realizing your dream and 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 just blessed to be able to to play for that one season. As an alum, as someone that was on one of the greatest teams that Jacksonville State's ever seen, obviously JSU basketball fell off there for a little while. And in 2016, 2017, with hiring of Coach Harper, we go on to win our first D1 conference championship with the OVC championship and go on to the NCAA tournament for the first time since the D2 days. What is that like as an alum and someone who played on those great teams to see Jacksonville State basketball back on the rise and back in the national spotlight? Our special, uh, you know, I have a great relationship with Coach Harper and, and, and try to help him in any way I can as far as recruiting but uh, but it, it, it creates a buzz uh, amongst your, you know, your former players and players that have played for JSU. I know that I was able to go up to Indianapolis and, and support them against Louisville and, you know, Melvin Allen and I drove up uh, together, you know. So it was, you know, you know, that kind of, you know, that kind of excitement creates more excitement from former players. Uh, and they want to be a, you know, everybody likes to be a part of a winner, right? So when when you're winning, but when you're losing, everybody's got, you know, they've got questions. Earl, you know, you work up there. What's what's going on? You know, why we, you know, why we can't, you know, why we're in that bottom tier of the OVC? But you know, since Coach Harper, I think you know, um, a lot of excitement is 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 starting to come back, uh, and a lot of former players are wanting to be a part of that. So. Uh, you know, kudos to what he's been able to do in, in his tenure here. And, and I'm just excited about the future as well as our former players being able to get back and, and show their support as well. A couple of years ago, the Pete was packed, Jacksonville State versus Murray State. And obviously a lot of that had to do with John Morant being in the building. But with a sold-out crowd like that, did that bring back some memories of the old Pete? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. I mean, uh, and that's the excitement that I'm talking about when you, you know, when you bring John Moran in here and you have a team that can just that just really they just destroyed, uh, you know, Murray State that night. Mm -hmm. Uh, So and, and that's the type of excitement that I think our alum former players have been waiting to see, you know, uh, somebody that can bring that passion and uh, have the skill set to bring those types of recruits in here. Uh, and 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 put you in that top tier of the OVC. You know, OVC is a basketball conference. Let's face it. So you know with what Coach Harper has been able to do over the uh, the duration that he's been here has been to be able to create that buzz. But it also helps the alumni base, those that former players, saying, "Hey, look, Earl, I, I need tickets. I want to be. You know, help me to get. I want to be there." And, and and when he goes up to Nashville to play Belmont and and Tennessee State, you know, we've got alum there. We, you know, I'm always there with them, uh, mm-hmm. former players, and it also helps us to be able to uh, create giving opportunities for alumni, former players. You know, want to pay it forward and give back to the basketball program. You know, so it's helped us to to create a buzz that former players can. Can, can give to the, the basketball locker room project. They can, you know, support, you know, the basketball uh, excellence fund. So, so those are the things that we're selling 
and trying to help them to understand, hey, look, you know, we, you know, we need the support. And when you're winning, it's easier to be able to do that. <laughs> it's, it's the best marketing tool. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before you go, you're obviously in development to give you guys a plug. And like you were just talking about a few seconds ago, if someone that's listening wants to give back to the university, that wants to give back to athletics, how can they do that? Well, you can go on the website. You know, we have several uh, texts to give. Uh, you know, right now, one of the things, Tyler, that we I'm – very excited about is uh, bridging the gap scholarships where, you know, we, you know, with this COVID-19 and this pandemic that we're in, you know, a lot of students are not able to be able to work. You know, a lot of restaurants have downsized and you've got so much going on with it. And, and that, you know, those proactive students that have been able to find jobs uh, in the past, a lot of those jobs are drying up. And so when you look at sustainability, uh, and students being able to come and work their way through and try not to have so much debt when they graduate, this bridge the gap scholarship, you know, it, it allows, uh, you know, people to give and help establish scholarships for students who, you know, may have missed that opportunity now coming in this year. So we have this, uh, you know, gap, JSU gap, uh, and you can text, 71777 to make a donation to the the bridge to gap scholarship and you know as as i said you know there's always needs for coach harper i'm always uh spending time with him and seeing what what can we do to help basketball you know there's a, the locker room project where people can donate a thousand dollars they can donate five thousand they can you know so you have different levels that you can you can donate and you can do that through um through the jsu athletics uh, website and earmark or designate your gift to, to basketball. So, uh, you know, one of the things that they've asked me in the past was, Hey, look, uh, Earl, see if you can come up with, you know, $2,000 for some of, some of our, our needs in addition, you know, every, everything is being cut back now, you know, your budgets are being reduced and, and what have you. So one of the things that you could, you know, we, we've been pushing him to do is to give to the Basketball Excellence Fund, and you can do that through the JSU Foundation website. Well, Earl, thanks so much for coming on with us this week. It's fantastic to look back at some of those older games and oh, yeah. talk about the national championship. And I know you're very busy, but I appreciate you taking the time to do that. Let's do some golf sometime. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Thank you, Earl. All right, Tyler. That'll do it for this week's edition of Behind the Beak. I hope that you and yours are healthy, and I will talk to you again next week. I'll be back Tuesday with a brand-new episode and another guest. So for Avery Davis, I am Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening, and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting jsugamecocksports.com. For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, jsugamecocksports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSU Gamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 